Hey, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Vibes. It's your girl, the Flower Bowie, and I'm super excited about continuing our um, series on addiction, right? We're going to be talking about addiction. We're going to be talking about some good stuff um, tonight. So I am pretty darn excited. But of course, if you're tuning in from one of our um, streaming platforms on social, whether it's YouTube, Facebook Live, um, one of our podcast platforms, definitely download, subscribe, like, and share, because this series is going to be amazing. This series is going to be amazing. Um, so I'm sharing now. I'm sharing now, guys. And um, I know you see, where's my co-host? Where's my amazing husband? OMG. What's going on, y'all? <laughs> He's a little chopped and screwed tonight. Hey, boo, how you doing? Good, good, good. Glad to be in the house. It was, uh, it was a long day today um, out here in... Uh, Somewhere Texas, handling <laughs> business, but I'm glad to be here on the show. How's everybody feeling tonight? Hope everybody's feeling good. I hope everybody is Sunday. good. I hope. And guys, Mr. Bowie's been traveling for work, so I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to make it with us tonight, but I'm super excited that he was able to hop on with his favorite girl. Um, but before we get into part two of our addiction, I want to jump into, because we all know it's Halloween, right? Tonight is Halloween. And guys, when I tell you this week, my kids have stepped on a nerve, like on a whole nerve, like all week, like, mm. so you guys let me know, do you guys celebrate Halloween? Do you participate in trick-or-treating fall like what do you guys do on tonight especially adjusting to the new world that we're living in what do you guys do i know my kids have been tap dancing on my nerves about halloween about trick-or-treating about everything babe you know how they are right oh yeah for sure you know they kind of uh waited to the last minute this year i was a little shocked they really haven't brought it up you know, once October hit, but then get down to crunch time, here they come. Right. Why can't we do this? Blah, 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 blah. And you know, it's to be expected. That's what kids do. You know what I'm saying? So. Right. But I know a lot of us, it's like we do Halloween. Some of us, we don't. And I know for us as parents, we kind of tiptoe doing Halloween. You know, it's been, it's been different, you know. Sometimes we were, you know, we participated because we gave into the kids. Sometimes we didn't. We've done hallelujah nights. We've done fall parties at the house. We've we've tried to um, still have some normalcy for our kids with the culture that they live in. I mean, that we're in, right? But at the same time, you know, it's, it's hard on, um, you know, a parent when you want to have certain standards and morals, but it feels like you're constantly fighting against culture. You're constantly fighting against the world that we live in because our kids are so engulfed and involved in, um, you know, what culture expects them to, you know, to do. So for us every year, it's this, this tug of war. It's like, are we in? Are we out? Are we doing it? Or are we not doing it? You know, cause you know, I've, we've decorated before, you know, just so many different things, but how do you feel about how, um, how impacted our children are when it comes to the culture that we live in, babe? I mean, it's a major, you know, factor. This is what they go by. You know, kids are impressionable by what they see, what their classmates are doing, uh, social media, all that kind of stuff. 
Man, I'm gonna tell you one time, like we had, like we have, as you know, multiple kids and uh, we have a rather large house to accommodate all these people. And we had one uh, Halloween because we really didn't do the, you know, trick or treating and all that as my wife has stated, man, we had our older kids ourselves in our rooms, right? We had the little ones dress up in their costumes and they literally went to everybody's door like they do in the neighborhood and asked for candy. And we had candy and that was, that was super dope. The kids love it. So, you know, we were being a little creative, you know what I'm saying? Keeping the Halloween spirit, but keeping it also wholesome how we do it at our house. But to get back on topic, yes, um, kids are easily influenced by what they see. They don't understand some of the holidays, some of the backing, the history, the meaning of certain things. You know, just like we were when we were children, you really don't find out until you get older and do your research and find out what the actual factuals are about certain things and what the true meaning are. And you'll be shocked at some of the things we celebrate or we pay homage to that doesn't have a very good story. It's very negative. Right, right. That's so true. That's so true. And and you're right. We we have gotten so creative with the kids. Like today, we were out in uh, College Station having a little fall family fun, you know, fire pit, roasting marshmallows, so many different things that you can do to just be creative and have fun on the day. But you may not necessarily participate in all the American traditional things. And side note, guys, my drink tonight is my favorite coffee spot called Black Rock, guys. This place is so awesome. I'm so excited they're building one next to our house. No wine tonight because your girl is in hustle mode. So as soon as we wrap up the show tonight, I got to go do some admin, some business stuff. So no wine for your girl tonight. Plus, I don't have my boo here. What's fun? It's not fun drinking by myself, right? Having a cocktail by myself. And so you still will have that drink anyway. <laughs> no, not tonight. Not tonight. I ain't got my boo here with me. So what's up? And so um, yeah. Um, another thing, I think that, and this is just me, I think that a lot of the, you know, advertisement and focus is on, you know, us consumers to really spend a lot of money, right? I know that even, you know, for Halloween and past years, we spent mad money, you know, going to Party City, getting costumes for everybody, just, you know, for a couple of hours. And same thing, you know, with other holidays like Easter and it's like we Christmas is like we get so engulfed in in the the urgency or the anxiousness of the culture to participate that I know there were times in our past where we put ourselves in a financial deficit just to you know do what the mass culture is doing um, or you know just to make put a smile on our kids' face and don't get me wrong we want to put smiles on our kids' face but. Now we understand we have to be more financially responsible when we're doing that. It's like just because the world is doing X, Y, and Z don't mean that we have to go out and do all these things as well. What do you think about that, Ben? Oh, definitely. I mean, that, that comes with the pressures of uh, being a parent. Uh, so you have the kids dealing with the pressure of social media, keeping up with their their friends and what the culture is telling them to do and partake of and then the parents got to be the sponsor of all that we got to be the financial backing for all this stuff so it can get overwhelming you know as a parent to provide all these things what you want to do you know me i'm willing to 
you know what I'm saying, open up the wallet for the kids, you know what I'm saying? You definitely want your kids to experience things that you didn't experience growing up. And right. I know, you know, it took a while for me to understand the whole meaning, you know, behind why we really didn't celebrate Halloween. Cause I was the same way, just like my babies. Like I want to dress up. I want to wear the flyers costumes. I want the expensive costume. I don't want just the mask. <laughs> no, <laughs> I want the whole shebang from the top to the bottom. You know what I'm saying? All the way down to the shoots. But you know, my mom was like, uh-uh, there's better thing. There's more other things we need to buy. Like, shoot, I, I really need to feed you. So I got to get some groceries up in here. So, you know, uh, but there are pressures for parents, for guardians to keep up with everybody else to make sure the kids are fly, looking good, smelling good, and keeping up with their with the Joneses. And so, yeah, uh, there's a lot of pressure in that. So you're absolutely right. There's so much pressure. And I think that we as parents, and you know, people may say, Oh, you have all those kids, but I don't I really think you do no have matter, all them kids though. But no matter if we had one kid or 10 kids, there are parents out there who feel the pressure of culture and you know, especially during this time of year, you know, mid-October throughout, you know, January, a lot of money is spent. A lot of cash is goes out of your bank account. And so this year, I would just hope that everyone is, um, you know, you really look at the full financial state of your family before going out and just spending money. And then the next day, you're like, oh, we got to eat. Or something comes up, you spend your emergency fund and a tire goes out or a part on your car goes out or, you know, something happens. You hit a pothole. You never know. So I'm just saying, I don't think that, um, you know, especially with this being beyond the vows that we should, you know, put ourselves in a financial deficit just for the sake of, you know, um, of culture. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. So now let's go ahead and transition into, you know, part two of our addiction series, addiction and marriage. Last week, if y'all hear Riley J, she is, y'all, she about to be one this week. She is super excited. She's talking. She's trying to, trying to walk. She is doing everything. So if y'all hear in the background, hey, the buoy house is be jumping for real. Y'all know. Um, but let's uh, continue with this series on addiction. I know last week we introduced the series. We were telling you guys some of the things that we're going to be talking about during the series. And we will have some guests and some co-hosts on as well. Last week, Mr. Bowie so graciously I mean, not, I don't even know if it's gracious, but he did his thing. He jumped out there and he said, you know what? I'm going to take the first jump and I'm going to, you know, talk about, you know, my battle, you know, where my, where my, you know, where it started, where it started. So I'm curious to know, Mr. Bowie, um, did you get any phone calls this, this past week after you can, after you shared so candidly your experience with the, um, with the magazine? No, no, I didn't get any phone calls or unexpected texts or anything like that. Well, I wouldn't say unexpected. It would be expected texts for some people. Mm -hmm. might have caught some people off guard. But no, I haven't. Nobody's reached out or said anything, you know, about what I was talking about. But um, I know that uh, it was something that I had to, you know, get off my chest and talk about. This is something, like I said, a lot of these things are demons in our closet, skeletons in our closets we don't want to talk about, that we don't want to address because we have. Um, we're still dealing with them today, um, or if it was a painful transition, a uh, painful process, and like 
getting over an addiction and getting over something like that that's had a hold on you for so long it is painful it's a process and i know a lot of people say you can just pray it away yeah that's part of it don't get me wrong this is a a lot of the things we're dealing with is spiritual it's not so much as a physical you know and we go wrong in trying to fight spiritual things with flesh things and it, it doesn't mm -hmm. go but there's a whole bunch of things that go with this as far as recognizing what your problem is um, knowing you have a problem how to seek help um what steps need to be taken it's a process there's 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 so many emotions you're going to go through uh it's it's a healing thing this is not something that's going to happen overnight uh, so don't feel bad if you have an addiction, if you're going through something and it's just like you can't correct it and uh, overnight. And I will say you will, and I hate to say this, in some cases, you will relapse. Um, it's kind of, I hate to say, sometimes it's part of the process because it's like, you know, you, you get a deeper understanding of healing. Like you haven't fully healed. When you relapse, you you didn't fully heal from that thing. Mm. Kind of maybe pacified it, swept it underneath the rug, kind of just put it on the back burner, but you never fully healed from that thing. I gotcha. I gotcha. And I think that you're so right. It's like there will be times that you may relapse. There will be times where you say, I'm done with this. I don't want to know more. And then you find yourself, you know, back at that situation or back indulging in whatever your addiction is. Um, what I find is that. You know, sometimes our healing takes place in in layers and little pieces at a time. And because we don't get to the point of our addiction, I mean, we don't your your addiction doesn't, you know, become full fledged overnight. Mm -hmm. Right. It takes time for it to, you know, really even become an addiction. It can be a habit. It can be just something that you like. And then you find out that, hey, I'm 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 indulging in this every day, multiple times a day. Right. Um, and so you're so right, babe, that you have to understand that your healing is a process when you are, when last week we talked about first thing is that you recognize that you have an addiction. And then two is that you get to the point where you're ready for help. The next thing is really going to be understanding that the healing of this addiction is going to take time. Like it's very, now mind you, I've seen some people you like with smoking cigarettes and stuff like that. I've seen some people be able to cut, you know, what do they call it? Cold turkey. Right. But the mass majority of people, the majority of us, it's a journey. You know, it, it it's it's baby steps at a time and you have to stay committed to the journey. That's how when you relapse, you start 10 steps. You know, you you're worse than what you are in the first place. We all know that when you relapse, it's harder. It's even harder to, um, you know, get clean again, to get over that thing. So it's like once you've made that commitment, you are removed from um, that vice, um, what you've been dealing with, leave it alone. You know what I'm saying? Don't don't put yourself in tempting situations. Don't put yourself in those type of opportunities where you can relapse. Because once you relapse, it's, it's 10 times harder to uh, recover from that. And I also will say, and I, I, I'm speaking for me, that you could be dealing with more than just one vice at the same time. Like, you know, it's mm. one thing could be pornography that I had. I had a spending problem, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I love shopping. You know, most people are like, that's a woman thing. There's a lot of fellas out of here that got expensive tastes. 
and you know they get that money in their pocket and it burns a hole in their pocket they want to look good for the ladies they want to smell good they want to drive the nice cars put the rims on there put that tin on there you know we gucci down just like the ladies you know what i'm saying so spending can be a vice too it's like once you have money you got to spend it you know you right. feel like you can't go without you feel like you need to upgrade whatever it is you got from electronics clothes house even you know what i'm saying cars you just got to be in the latest and greatest things that that is an addiction too and then also for me what i struggle with also is you know with, with food a lot of people deal with food um stress eating you know when you're under stress you got tension from your job children finances anything you have a tendency because you're kind of in a depressed state you don't feel your best you're going to do something that makes you feel good and I know for me it was food you know what I'm saying certain foods make you feel really good you know you're enjoying that moment they give you that that time that you're indulging in the pleasures is just a small satisfaction for the time and that's kind of what you need because you're going through a season of depression a season of drought uh, a season of you know just it doesn't feel good so you're going to try to find any inkling anything you can hold on to to make yourself feel good and like i said me it was money that made me feel good i got money in my pocket spend that thing and then food eat it it's going to taste good make me feel even better so it's like you can struggle with more than just one vice i don't want people to feel like oh i got one vice. no it could be a plethora of things that you feel like that is controlling your life right your thinking process your habits what you do you know what i'm saying so that's major, more than just one thing that that's major and it's it's just it's true it's true and um you know jumping back to earlier when you said that it gets harder when you when you um when you relapse when you go back i love how um the scripture i think it's um i'm waiting for it to come up but basically the scripture references um um, Mark 12, 45, it talks about when one demon flees. And if you go back to that thing, it's going to bring seven more. Seven more. It's going to bring seven more. So guess what? Now, instead of battling one, now you're battling eight. Wow. Now you're battling eight, right? And we know eight is the, the number of um, new beginnings, right? So it's a new beginning of a new struggle, that you're fighting with. It's a new beginning of a new struggle that you're fighting with because it's going to be even harder for you to overcome that thing. But um, uh, I'm glad that you touched on the the eating because that has definitely been one of my vices. Um, and I, I really a lot of people's vices. Yeah, I really didn't. I really didn't understand or even was able to acknowledge that it was an addiction until. I um, until I tied it to my emotions, like you mentioned earlier. And that's one thing for us to recognize when we do have an addiction is if that addiction is tied to your emotions. Like if you are feeling down, it, you do it when when you are when you when you're stagnant and you have nothing to do. And you and you did it, you know, um, when you're when you're when your anxiety is high and you do it. It's like a lot of times our addictions are tied to some type of emotion, right? And we don't know how to deal with those emotions or we haven't replaced that habit. So we do it. And, you know, I look at family members and stuff like that. And I'm like, 
I was able to also recognize, man, that is an addiction for me and I've been battling it. And I tell you, it's hard. It's hard because some, and, but mine is a little, it's, it's strange because also with that, with that addiction, when it comes to, um, to food, sometimes my addiction is to not even eat at all. It's like, I just get in a mindset where I just don't want to eat. But then on the opposite side, I want to eat everything in sight. So I know that I'm battling with something naturally and spiritually. Um, and I have to deal with that because my body is unhealthy. Um, when I go on either these binges of eating or these binges of not eating because I'm, because it's triggered by emotions. That's definitely, I would say, you know, most addictions are emotionally triggered. Uh, something traumatic, something we're going through is going to cause us to create or develop a vice. It's simply out of pleasure. That's, mm -hmm. that's plainly what it is. It's just going to be a physical pleasure, emotional pleasure, spiritual pleasure, whatever it is. It's out of a pleasure state where you are feeling miserable. You're feeling bad. You're, you're kind of like in a, a negative state in your life or what you're going through. And of course, you're going to seek some kind of pleasure at that point. So that's right. how I start. That's just my opinion. You know, I really feel like, you know, a lot of those things are emotionally based. Exactly. And, you know, I know we're going to get into, you know, some things that's going to help some people who are dealing with pornography and stuff like that. Um, but I just want to say it's so important for you to have a great inner circle around you. Because your circle around you or your squad, your your people, your tribe, they're going to be able to see things that a lot of times we don't see when we are bat battling an addiction, right? They're going to, sometimes we're so far gone that we don't even realize, hey, I've looked at this five times today, or, you know, I've eaten 10 times today, or I just ate and I see something and I'm hungry again. Um so it's vital for you to have people around you that are going to be truthful. I think there's so many of us who have so many yes people around us that they end up enabling our addictions. What do you for think sure. about that, sweetie? Yeah, I mean, you got enablers. I mean, you're going to have somebody in your life that's enabling you. Um, and that's what we're going to get into, you know, dealing with family members, especially as a spouse, because if your spouse is going through an addiction, you're going through it with them. Even though you may not be the same addiction, like if they're dealing with pornography, you may not watch porn, but because they're going through it, you're going to go through it because it's going to affect y'all's relationship physically, uh, the communication. Uh, you're going to feel certain kind of, uh, you know what I'm saying? You might feel a certain type of way about it. Right. So, um, you know, you definitely have to be careful if you are the enabler in a relationship or dealing with somebody, you know, you can't. And I know people feel like they're helping. Um, they don't want to crush that person or make mm -hmm. them turn away. Or right. Make them, they feel like if they don't enable them, they're going to get worse mm -hmm. or they're going to spiral. And it's like, to be honest with you, they're going to spiral either way. Right. You know, so it's like you you need to take the high road and be like, you know what, let me offer you some help. And some of the best help you can give is cutting somebody off and say, That's hey, true. I'm no longer going to be funding this. I'm no longer going to be supporting this. You can't come back here with this or you know, 
man. I'm just not putting up with that. But a lot of us, because they are our loved ones, you know, we care so much about their well-being, um, we kind of help them in their their addiction. We do. We do. I think that if more of us were okay with giving tough love, with telling with telling our loved ones what it really is, I think that um, so many of us wouldn't go our we wouldn't go so far into our addiction because we'll have to make a wake up call. Um, you know, especially because sometimes these addictions they're gonna they're gonna hit you in your pockets. A lot of times addictions are expensive, and if you are spending all of your money. If you are, um, if you, if you were spilling, if you were spending all of your money on your addiction, right? And if someone's enabling you paying all of your other bills, right? Then they're helping you progress your addiction. But if they give you tough love, right? And stop financially supporting you, then either you're going to get better or you're going to get worse, right? And a lot of us would be like, dang, I don't want to be homeless. Like, man, I do need some food to eat, right? And so a lot of times we'll, we will have that wake-up call when people just keep it real with us. It's like, I want some people in my corner that's going to tell me what it is, not people that's going to that's gonna, that's gonna live in fairytale land. And I know I used to live there. I used to have a full residency in, in the land of spring daisies and cinnamon, as Uncle mm. Ruckus calls it. And Marcus can contest to that. But I realized that I was not helping myself, nor were I helping the people around me by not giving tough love and not being strong enough to receive tough love. Because I'm, I'm a big crybaby. Like, I'm so sensitive. Marcus knows, like, he can look at, or he can answer a question with a little attitude. And I'm like, what's What's going on? Um, but at the same time, I realized that I had to mature and be able to receive and give that tough love if I wanted to be an asset to the people around me. It's like, we got to start telling people the truth. We got to start telling our loved ones the truth. We have to. Hey, they're like a few good men. They ain't ready for the truth. They can't handle the truth sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Um, Cause they got to face fact they got to face reality and come out of la la land and i do feel like people enable their their loved ones and, and uh, their significant others or whoever this is they're enabling it's because i think it's out of guilt because they feel like they might have been the reason why mm. are in this state they are they have this addiction and that they can't shake that they're just spiraling and i think people enable them because they feel guilty about it that's good. That's good. I know that there's a lot of parent-child um, addictions and even child-parent addictions that are out there where the parent felt like they, were, they weren't there for the child or something happened to the child when they were younger. And so they feel like they still have to um, enable, right? Or vice versa, you know, um, you know, where the parent doesn't have anybody else. And so the child feels obligated to, you know, continue to support and enable that person. But at the same time, it's like we in the world that we live in today, we got to give tough love. What y'all think? What do you guys think? Um, do you think that we should continue to uh, enable our loved ones or should we get to the point where we're able to have courageous conversations with them? 
It's Only like, healing takes place to transparency and, and, and being ooh, candid. Say that again. Say that again. That was I said good. healing only takes place through communication, being candid, being transparent. I mean, you can't heal. You can't mend those wounds through false pretenses to be just going through the motions or, you know, just pacifying each other. No, you're going to have to have uncomfortable interventions that's what they're called you know hey you're hurting me what you're doing this is unacceptable we're no longer going to be able to tolerate this this is not who you are you're better than this um we know that you went through something traumatic i might have been a reason a part of that but we need to get through this stuff together this is a healing process for everybody like i said just because somebody one person's going through addiction doesn't mean everybody else is oblivious like this doesn't affect everybody no this is a this affects everybody who's emotionally attached to this person, they're all gonna feel it and they're gonna go through it. So it's a healing process for everybody. Right. Um, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, last but not least, before we give, you know, some steps to help with um, you know, pornography after break, um, you know, I just follow my spirit as, you know, sometimes because we have so many blended families, we have so many single parents out there that, you know, a lot of children are hurting and, you know, becoming addicted to certain things because their mom or their dad aren't together anymore. Right. They break up. And so the parents, so many of us single parents, we're feeling guilty because um, of what we took that child through because we made a decision to to lay down and have a child with that person. Right. We made that decision. We we picked that person to have a child with. Um, and if that wasn't a good person to have a child with now, we're having to go through and and, you know, and and help the child through their healing process because they grew up in a broken home because their parents aren't together. And so with some trauma and stuff there. But I just want to encourage you that um, you can't give your child some tough love, give your child some tough love, let them know, like, hey, you got a man up, you got a woman up. What do you think about that? How a lot of us single parents, we, a lot of single parents, they go through that, like, because they've experienced trauma from the other parent. My bad, babe. No, say that, say that again. I was trying to look at something that was going on here. Can you hear me? No, I was saying about single parents, how sometimes when the parents don't stick together, the child experiences trauma, which triggers an addiction. I was like, what do you say that the parents have to do to ensure that they're not enabling that child um, just because the child experienced trauma from two people not staying together? You didn't have to slow it down like I was slow. But anyway, okay. no, uh, the parents definitely have to be on the same page, got to be on the same court, even though you're not in the same household or even in the same city. Because if you're parenting kids from two different places, the kids are going to play you against each other you know they're going to tell one thing one thing and one thing the other so the parents and this is the problem there's a lot of parents that don't get along and of course that's going to cause issues with the child so regardless of how y'all ended with the relationship because you have a child you you have to have a good open relationship for the child's sake it's not for you guys whatever's done is done it's over you know, you're not trying to rehash anything. 
Right, but for right. the betterment of the child, especially when you're dealing with addiction, you don't want your child to go down that road where they feel alone. That's the problem. They can't go to mom, they can't go to dad because you have conflicting views, they're not on the same page. So the child is pretty much going to be in the middle by themselves. And they're going to start making decisions for themselves or getting outside influences. Right. So it's like the parents got to come together, be on the same accord and communicate as far as like what needs to be done with the child, as far as school, discipline things, activities, just the overall emotional state and growth of the child needs to be discussed between both parents all on the same page. So um, I'm a living, I'm, I'm living testimony on that. You know what I'm saying? When you have, um, you're trying to parent a child in another household and you kind of clash with the other parent, it's going to cause strife and issues with the child. So you have to be on good terms, talking terms. You may not have to be the best of friends, have to like each other or, you know what I'm saying? But y'all have to have the same views when it comes to the child. That's hard. That's hard. Cause a lot of times we don't, but guys, we got to take a quick break. We will be right back. And when we come right back, we'll jump into some of those steps that you can take if you are dealing with, um, you know, an addiction, especially a pornography addiction. We will be right back. Hey, it's your girl, Lisa Denae, owner and general manager of Sterner Radio. We are Urban Talk Radio, broadcasting live and pre-recorded shows 24-7 at sternerradio.com and all podcast platforms. I'm happy to announce that we are going to be a part of the largest radio and press junket in the state of Texas. That's right. It is the Radio and Press Junket presented by Loud Music. I want to see you there. If you are an artist, you need to be a part of this event. Go to loudmusic.com slash press to get your passes or just click the link in our bio here at Stunner Radio. We're going to be there. Hope to see you there too. Awesome. Awesome. You guys definitely click the link and check out the junket, guys. All right, guys. So we're going to jump into a couple of things that you can do to help with your addiction if you are dealing with pornography, okay? So one of the first things, and we've already talked about, um, um, we've already talked about, um, you know, what it is, how it can um, arise, ways to even realize that you have an addiction. Okay. But just to go over a couple more things, like if you're still like, man, I don't have an addiction. Um, I got some notes on my phone. So one is, you know, compulsive behavior that leads to loss of control. Right. So it's the thing that you do habitually, consistently. And I know for me, whenever I've battled with addiction in the past, I would feel guilty after I gave into that compulsive action. I would feel so guilty, right? Um, another one is unsuccessful attempts to stop despite um, potential negative consequences, right? So you may be in your relationship, your, your spouse or your partner may say, you know what, if you keep doing this, I'm leaving. If you keep doing this, I'm leaving. And you still do it, even though you know that there may be negative consequences, like we were seeing with the family members and friends earlier, like if you keep doing this, we're not going to support you anymore financially. We're not going to be there for you, but you may have an addiction. If you still give in, if you still do that thing, whatever it is, 
knowing that um, it could lead to negative consequences. Um, next is if you have a preoccupation with this activity, like your, your, your mind is preoccupied with the activity, you're thinking about the activity, you, you're doing the activity, you're thinking about it after the, it's like your mind is constantly preoccupied with this thing that may be a sign that you have an addiction, right? Um, next is going to be the, the need to do this such thing increases, Right. It may start off as one time a day or once a week, once a month, then it turns into weekly, then it comes in daily and then it's multiple times a day. I think Marcus touched on that last week where it may turn into multiple times a day. Right. And so that may be signs that, hey, you may be addicted. Right. Um, let's see. Um, withdrawals like you get irritated. When you don't have it, you get frustrated when you when you when you can't partake in such thing. Um, there are if we, you have withdrawal symptoms that may be um, a sign that you have addiction. So did you have anything else that you wanted to add to that? And that's like um, of any substance, any type of addiction. Those are some things that you want to look out for to know, like, man, I think I'm addicted. No, those are absolutely without a doubt, true of what you're saying. But I wanted to take it a step further by saying, you know, when you have an addiction and you make the decision to change, the first step is like making this, making the decision to change. Right. You got to have a clear goal. You know what I'm saying? Some people, they say, I want to quit, but they don't have a goal. Of, mm -hmm. And when I say a goal, it's like, you know, <laughs> I know this might be funny. Be like, hey, I want to, I want to stop smoking crack and heroin, but I'm still getting drunk. I'm still drinking. I'm still smoking. I'm still doing that. It's like you gotta have a clear goal as into what it is that you're gonna get rid of, okay? And then set a goal for that. Like, hey, I want this done within, you know, my goal is to do this within X amount up here, or I'm going to get rid of the alcohol. I'm stop drinking. I'm gonna stop smoking or I'm going to stop, you know, spending money. I'm going to start saving. So you have to have a goal. One, you got to change your mind that you want to change, that you have a problem, you need to change it. And then two, you need to set a goal, right? Without goals, you're gonna, it's a recipe for disaster. Right, right. right. So then you got to prepare to change, right? So preparing to change is you got to remove some stuff. Like if you're an alcoholic, you can't have alcohol in your house and say, I want to quit. Right. You can't, you can't say, Hey, I, I, <laughs> I ain't watching no more porn. I ain't fapping no more. <laughs> That's okay. I ain't fapping no more. I'm done. Then you're going to have to get rid of them DVDs. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to. Or you're going to have to block them links on your phone. Or you're going to have right? to cancel that subscription. You know what I'm saying? So you got to prepare for the change. People like to talk about it. Yeah. 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 I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I ain't going to do it no more. But yet. They still got that drink in the closet. They still got them tapes over there. They still got that secret credit card over there. They got all the stuff that's ready calling their name in a moment of weakness. So you got to prepare right. yourself. So you got to make up your mind to change, right? You got to set a goal for the change and you got to prepare for the change, right? That's true, man. And um, you, you touched on one thing and this one of the things is... Um, when it says when you know you're 
symptoms that you're addicted to pornography is you keep you keep all or part and this can be any addiction you keep all or a part of your use or your addiction a secret from your loved ones so anything that you're keeping secretive and you're doing in the dark that may be a habit i mean that may be an addiction right um so that was a those are some really good points babe that you gotta if you're hiding stuff and then and then at the end of the day at the end of the day once you do those things you make up your mind set a goal uh you remove those things to prepare yourself and then you got to get rid of those addictive behavior you know that you're using trying to change your mindset change your atmosphere change your surroundings change the people around you're going to have to get professional help you're going to have to get treatment on some of these things now some of these things you can Depends on how long it is, what it is, but that's case by case. I'm not sitting here and going to say, oh, no, if you got porn, you can just get over that. By No. It's by person, case by case. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to reach some kind of treatment. You're going to have to get some kind of help professionally or some of these things, because some of these things you cannot shake. But you got to do your part first. You know what I'm saying? They A professional, where it's a psychiatrist, or even a pastor or doctor, they can only diagnose it. You're gonna have to go through it to change. You know That's what I'm so saying? True. That's so, so true. It's all a process. Right, right. And you're right. That's one of the biggest things. It's like after you've taken those steps, you know, like you've acknowledged it, you've committed to change, you've taken those steps to change. If you feel, if you see that you are continually to fall back and going to go watch it, going to go do it, it's like you still craving it and you're like, oh, I cannot shake this on my own. Then yes, the next step would be to share, share. You got to open up and share. I would say first, you want to share with your partner. You want to share with your spouse what you're going through so that they can help be a support system for you because they're, they're the ones that see you every day. There's the they're the one who can literally be your accountability partner, you know, in your moment of weakness or say in and, you know, and really just help you in that journey. And one thing when you do have that accountability partner, don't get frustrated or aggravated with them when they when they ask you like, hey, how is it going today? Did you you know, were you able to commit to your goal today? Were you able to do something else instead of giving in into that addiction. Because that's what I notice is some so many times when we have that accountability partner, especially our spouse, we get frustrated when they act when when you know they they're just doing their part. You know, you brought them into the situation and they're just trying to help you stay accountable to your goals and your decision. But because you've probably given in now you you feeling it, um, irritable when they ask you about it, and then like Marcus said, next you want to seek professional help. A lot I've seen a lot of people get have group therapy. You can do one on one counseling. You can do group therapy if you you know if if you want to just know hear from other people's stories, other people's journeys. But if you want to stay private, you can do one on one. And then lastly. Um, you know, depending on what triggers your addiction to go watch that, to go do that, to partake in it, then there, it may be depression that's causing you to do it. 
it may be whatever is causing you to do it. Then, like Marcus said, there may be we need to intervene or help the situations with some medication. So, guys, those are the steps that can really help you overcome your addiction with pornography. It can be done. It has been done. Um, And if you do backtrack, it's okay. Get back on that thing and let your accountability partner know like, hey, I need more help or I need more time. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you some, some, some hint, hints, guys. It doesn't have to be cold turkey. I'm going to just use this as an example. If you're a porn watcher like I was and you watch it maybe seven days a week, you might want to say, hey, I'm going to cut that down to five. Then I'm going to cut it down to four. Then I'm going to cut it down to two. Or whatever the case might be. It's baby steps. It's not like you got to completely go cold turkey because that's when you relapse. That's when the goals aren't realistic. You have to set realistic goals like, hey, I'm going to start taking baby steps, you know. So also, too, a lot of these things, too. Now, don't get me wrong. These are things that we've been dealing with for a long time. But some of it, I'm going to be honest with you, we got too much free time. And, you know, idle hands is the devil's playground and we get ourselves and stuff. So a lot of this stuff can be replaced with other positive things. You know what I'm saying? I'm just using an example like, you know, instead of like watching porn, you could find out that you like to paint or you like to go bowling. I mean, there's different things that you can replace that, 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 that pleasure, that, um, that uh, drilling or whatever you want to call it. You know, there's some things that are deep rooted and emotional and that has to be broken, but some of the stuff, we just got too much free time. And we just had, we was just there that day, had nothing to do and say, hey, let me look at this. Or, hey, let me do that. And then it becomes a habit. No, you need to replace that habit with something else. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for anyone who, if you're watching it because you have desires that you, you know, are not able to fulfill within your relationship, talk with your spouse about it. Have that open conversation. Because you never know. They may be wanting to try whatever you watching. You never know. You never know. Both of y'all can be an addict together. Is that what you said? (laughs) No, I'm saying if, let's say that there's certain types of activities that you haven't discussed with your partner, but you go and watch it on these videos or subscriptions. I'm saying talk to your spouse about that activity because they may be okay with doing it. You just never know until you have that conversation. But I guarantee you, your spouse knows what you're doing, right? You're, and the longer if they're they, in tune with you, they do. Some people right. are oblivious. Have That's no true. Clue. That's oh true. God, I didn't know that. Like, really? If you're in tune with your spouse, you know. You, especially ladies, you know. You Women's know. intuition? You just know we pay attention to details. We pay attention to how things are, how things flow. We pay attention to those things. Sometimes I think men's radar is a bro. (laughs) I just don't think y'all are are as detail oriented as a lot of women are. No, we're not. I I think you guys just glaze over things. Like there's been things I brought to your attention and you like. Yeah, we're we're big picture detailed. Uh, y'all are well no we're big picture that's what we see long term the big broad picture y'all are detail all the little bricks 
and you know we see the finished product of the home y'all are more intricate in the brick the mortar all this stuff we're like yeah 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 but this is what we're gonna get to this is what we're gonna be and you're like yeah but what about this we need this color this detail what about that that is that angle this 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 you know y'all are very detail oriented yes yeah we are and a lot of times a lot of men don't realize how detailed their wives are and how we already know half the stuff we already know half the stuff y'all think y'all know no especially when it comes to addiction a lot of times women already know that there is something going on or some type of addiction going on but we may not be able to put our finger on it or sometimes we'll be able just to call it out um, and we're just trying to figure out, okay, how do I let him know that I know because he thinks that I'm clueless? Just drop him a note. Yeah, put a note on his truck. Put a note on his truck. And like, I see you. I know what you're doing. You know, let's talk about this because this is impacting me this way. Your addiction is making me feel this way. And um, and then that goes back to the symptoms of addiction, because if you know that your actions are impacting the people that you love, then that should knowing that it's impacting them should be a catalyst for you to take the steps that we talked about tonight to start transitioning away from that addiction, especially when it comes to pornography. I absolutely agree. So what else you got? You got any them cars tonight. Yeah, Let's tonight. see what I got. Let's see what I got. You know, I gotta get us some new cars too. We do, we do. I mean, we haven't gone through the full deck. The full no. decks. Um let me see, let me see, let me see. So definitely, guys, there's so many local people that um, I know we have people watching all over the world. So I don't want to just give specific resources for our area, but definitely, definitely seek help. Start having those conversations. That's going to be a huge step in you, um, in you um, overcoming that addiction because we are more than conquerors, right? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, right? So we can, we can overcome these things. We just have to, like Marcus said, go through the process to overcome them. All right, Marcus, this is a question for you. So guys, we're going to jump into our ace metaphor questions. Let's talk tonight. If you guys haven't picked up this deck of cards, it definitely will take you some, some to some interesting places in your relationship. These are great questions to talk about on date night. Um, you know, you can put a few cards in your purse, whip them out at the dinner table. Who knows? And when you guys are just chilling, sipping on a cocktail together, these are great questions because these questions, this deck of cards, I make you, um, they're, they're thought provoking. They're thought provoking on things that we typically don't talk about on the day-to-day -day basis, right? So Marcus, if you could take me anywhere in the world right now, where would it be and why? Um. <laughs> uh, I'll probably take it to Europe. I know that's really broad. This, yes. You know, I've been to Europe. You know, I want to go to uh, London. I want to go to France. I want to go to Spain. I want to go to all that. So that's where I would probably take you because that's where I want to go. And we said we wanted to travel more. I know that's not really all romantical. 
No, well, it's not. That's what I want to do. Okay. Um, for me, if I could take you anywhere in the world right now, it would probably be somewhere like not. What did you say? <laughs> did you say Brookshire? <laughs> you are tacky boots. Tacky. Um, I would probably take you to Niagara Falls because um, um, I remember you told me someone had went on a trip there and how beautiful it was in Canada and things like that. So we would probably have a surprise trip. Oh, yeah. They have beautiful falls. Like they really have the fall weather there like the season like the colors the reds the oranges the browns is just beautiful you know what i'm saying so yeah canada is on the list we're going absolutely got that passport. Uh, here's another one <laughs> yeah get your passports guys because we're gonna be having coming. some beyond the vows couples getaways i don't want to put too much out there now but i know you and your man, your girl, I know y'all waiting on a retreat. So we got mm. some Beyond the Vows retreats coming up next year, 2022. So get your passports ready because we will have some domestic, but we're also going to have some international. But next question, Mr. Bowie, this is a good one. I am curious to know what your answer is going to be. Marcus, what has loving LaFlower taught you about yourself? What has loving me taught you about yourself? Um, that I am really patient hmm. and that I'm, um, yeah, patience was one. I knew I had patience before, but you definitely taught me another level of patience to be understanding and sympathetic and empathetic and all them edicts <laughs> that you can be with somebody that you've taught me that um, that you can't pass judgments on people because of what you think they need to do. You need to allow them to go through a process that they got to go through. And so, you know, and this is a big thing. This is for anything. Love them where they're at, not where you want them to be. Love them where they're at. You know what I'm saying? We have a habit of wanting like, oh, she needs to be this, 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 or he needs to be up here, but they're not there at all so love them where they're at and you have taught me that and then you've also allowed me to understand that um i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good you know husband you know I, I i think i handle my business um taking care of my wife um because sometimes you know as men we we don't get you know we kind of i don't want to say insecure but sometimes you know, we get lost in the shuffle as far as like what we do as husbands and fathers and fixing stuff and paying bills and working and bringing home bacon, as they say, that um, sometimes we don't feel appreciated. And you have definitely showed me an appreciation and a love that a wife should give a husband. And I appreciate that. So, and of course, it makes me want to be a better husband for you, better father for my children and just an overall good man. Why, thank you, babe. Thank you, boo. Um, let's see. You have taught me about myself that um, you have definitely taught me that um, you know, to come out of my shell more, to believe in myself more. And you know, I tell you this all the time. Um, but yeah, you've taught me that I am just as valuable as you know any other speaker, minister, healer, any other woman out there. 
Um, you've also taught me to um, really embrace the skin that I'm in because you, because of the way you love me, flaws and all, it's like I am beautiful. I am worthy. And you have taught me to definitely like, it's not a comparison game that I'm only in competition with myself. Like legit, that's it. That That's it. Um, in the mirror. That's it. That's it. That's the only person that I'm in competition with. Um, and by you doing that, it has allowed me to genuinely be able to celebrate others, whether they are, you know, coming, whether I'm helping them get to where I'm at or whether they've already, you know, surpassed me and whatever goals I'm trying to reach. I can genuinely celebrate people because you've reminded me of how valuable I am. And, you know, it goes back to, you know, um, it's like the way you speak life into me reminds me of how my father spoke life into me before he passed. And that just by you doing that, it just reminded me of, you know, the things that he would tell me. Right. But like you sometimes, like you said, um, I think a couple of shows ago, or when we be talking, sometimes we lose sight in, um, you know, so many different things, or we don't believe, you know, the people who are closest to us because we say, oh, you just love me. So you telling me that, but I know that when you speak those words to me, you, um, you genuinely and sincerely mean it. The last thing that you taught me about myself is that, um, I did not used to view money as a tool. Right. Um, you know, my relationship with money was different, even though I knew money, it was hard for me to spend that thing. <laughs> it was hard for me to use money as a tool and I never wanted to spend money on myself. So you taught me that I was doing myself an injustice by not breaking bread on myself. It's like I'll spend money on everybody else, but I won't, I did not do what was necessary for me. And so you taught me that, hey, I got to pay myself first, right? After God gets his money, savings get their money, before any of these bill collectors get their money, I got to take care of me. Like I can't be feel guilty for taking care of flour because if flour is not okay, then you know our saying two to two ten. If flour's not okay, if Marcus isn't okay, then there's a whole lot of people that are counting on us. They're not gonna be okay. And so I appreciate you and I thank you, Boo, for you know all of the the encouraging words for constantly building me up and just reminding me how worthy and valuable I am. So that's what you. a good husband's supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this, you know, because I've been flying a lot, I, I look at it like being on an airplane, you know, what they'll tell you when the stewardess come on, which hardly nobody pays attention, they're going through their safety protocols on the plane. And once the oxygen mask falls down, they always tell you to put your mask on first. Right. And a lot of people are like, why do you, I need to put mine on? Because it's like, if you help somebody else put theirs on, you don't have your own. So if you save them, you die. But you can't help other people if you're dead so you need to help yourself first take care of you then you can help somebody else a great man once told me the best thing you can do for poor people or people in need is not to be one of them mm. so you need to level up say it one more time <laughs> the best way for you to help poor people or people in need is not to be one of them so you need to be the one with the money 
you need to be the one that's successful, the one that's leveling up. Because how can you level up somebody else up when you ain't leveled up? You in the gutter. Right. So I'll leave y'all with that. That's major. I think that's a good note for us to wrap up on tonight. Um, you know, we gotta we gotta set the example, you gotta level up. And if you're battling with an addiction, if you're battling with pornography, guys, and if you are ready, if you've acknowledged it and if you're ready, take those steps that we talked about. Go back and watch the replay, reach out for some help, have conversations, raise your hand, do not suffer in silence. I tell that to my coaching classes all the time. Don't suffer in silence. Because when you suffer in silence, you set yourself up for failure. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in into um, Addiction and Marriage Part 2. Look out for next week's episode. It's going to be a banger, as my husband calls it. <laughs> no, we're going to be here. So <laughs> we're going to be here you're welcome we're gonna um you know have another informative show um we're gonna have a testimony next week of someone who has been able to overcome their addiction and so i'm super excited about that um but guys just remember please remember always remember to never ever settle always take it to the next level until next time guys peace good night